give me some time to think I'm in the bathroom looking at me Facing the mirror is all I need When until the reaper takes my life Never gonna get me out of life I will live a thousand million lives My patience is waning Is this entertaining? Our patience is waning Is this entertaining? Hello and welcome back to Pudding Ain't Easy. Yes, we're treating you this week or next week whenever these pods go out because you're getting two in quick succession. What more could you want? And today, if you're listening from high ups at Disney Plus, just ignore this pod. We'll get back on track soon, we promise. Because we're here with... The boys, season three, and with me, as always, is the Huey to my starlight. <laughs> it's Scott the Cloud. <laughs> oh, that's how we're starting this off, is it? I'm in my uh, starlight sexy spandex suit to record this as we speak. Yeah, it doesn't. Doesn't fill out quite as well as uh, as you talk. No, <laughs> I'll have to, uh, at home. I'm gonna have to go and get some chicken fillets tomorrow. I think. Oh, jeez! Of all the comparisons you could have made, I did not think that was the one you were gonna do. It's because I'm always having to open jars for you, Scott. That's that's why. <laughs> yes, but is anyone who isn't able to open a jar for someone else does it? I listened it for you. <laughs> so yeah. So that really set the tone, didn't it? <laughs> I mean you've got to. I mean, let's face it, this this episode of season one certainly certainly set the tone as we've mm. mentioned before in previous podcasts. And uh yeah, we'll we'll get to that we'll get to that bit in due course. <laughs> but <laughs> oh. Yeah, because, you know, I think we, we we had a certain level of what to expect going into season three, because, you know, even the first episode of, like, the first season of The Boys had, like, a big scene where Butcher takes you to some club where basically superheroes go to shag each other, and that had some pretty graphic scenes in it, but then, and then they keep, they keep escalating, and then even so much so they escalated in season two, they had to warn you ahead of time, I thought, well, how much worse can it get? And then I episode. I mean, it's just as well as it's on Amazon Prime because I don't think any TV station or network in their right mind would air some of this. <laughs> I mean, there's a certain episode we're going to talk about for later in the season. Uh, it's a very famous big moment that was uh, then brought to life, which had a lot of anticipation. And even going on Amazon, the creators and people behind it basically said there's still so much we couldn't air. <laughs> For multiple reasons. But, so, yeah, like the fact that they had to be warned ahead of time that, okay, now we're really up in the ante with season three, it just tells you something. But 
I think I don't know if we've talked about it uh, on before, Carl. But how did you first come across uh, the boys? But basically, I just um, I'm I'm a long time subscriber to Amazon Prime, and I'd, I'd seen this thing called the boys advertised quite a lot. Um, didn't really know much about it, so I, I, I just sort of ignored it. I thought, you know, the title, The Boys, didn't really grab me. And then um, I just saw a lot of people talking about it on Twitter and sort of how cool it was. And I sort of looked into it a bit more and found out more or less what it was about. I thought, actually, this sounds kind of fun. So I just started watching it and... Uh, yeah, I've never looked back. It was it exceeded my expectations, and it, it's just brilliant. And um, yeah, so how did you stumble across it? Well, I heard about it because literally for a short period, every video I wanted to watch on YouTube had like a thirty second, uh, thirty second or so trailer for the boy with very little dialogue, just sudden clips of being thrown at you. Uh, a short period of time. The only real hint I got to what the, the, the show was even about was that line from Carl Urban. He said, "No, people love serials, but if you know half the shit they get up to, and go hear him say his famous word, it's fucking diabolical." <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I knew, okay, it's some sort of weird take on superheroes. But I didn't know it was quite what it what it actually is. So I got sick of it. I kind of almost swore off watching it because I was so sick of adverts for it. And then, obviously. The first season had been out for a while, while uh, by the time I started like watching it, which is a case of, you know, uh, I didn't have any current shows to watch. Me and my brother were looking for new stuff to jump on to. So we quickly gravitated to the boys when we actually sat down and watched the first episode. And luckily for us, we realised that season two was coming out fairly soon. But uh, so after all that, it felt like forever to get actually get to season three before it finally came out. Also, the pandemic didn't help. No, exactly, because it's uh, in an earlier season, we might not get to cover it. I've got to mention one of my favourite bits. I think it was season one when the Deep is trying to rescue a dolphin and he's got it in his van, they get involved in a crash, and the dolphin shoots through the windscreen. Sc- oh, God, that just... I, I've never laughed so much in my life. It was just in hysterics. The whole the way the whole scene's put together, and it's just so funny. Uh, it's just a slow motion of it, just slowly going past <laughs> them as it's going to and then just because it, like the deep said some very like funny moments of him just fucking stuff up. Like the scene in season two where you know he tries to be like Aquaman and like send a whaler to stop the guys on the boat. And then the boys just like decide, nah, fuck it, we're going to go full pelt. And they just go right through the fucking wheel. <laughs> I mean, you got to give Chase Crawford his props. I mean, he plays a great part and he's always sort of having to send himself up big time or send the character up big time because he's such a buffoon. But he does it with such gusto. I mean, yeah. <laughs> credit where it's due. Yeah. I mean, it's a hell of a, I guess, I mean, honestly... Someone we can't not talk about is Anthony Starr as, as the main, well, he's meant to be a hero, but he's, really he's the main villain of the show uh, in Homelander. And getting to watch him in this role is just, you know, it, it's hard to watch him in anything else, even if you've already seen him in other stuff, because I'd seen him in a show called Banshee. I don't, I'd watched a few seasons that he plays a criminal who ends up becoming a small town sheriff. 
and it was a quite a decent uh, action show. But then seeing him go from that to this, which is like a complete 180. Plus he had short hair and that, then he's like, he's pretty much got, despite the fact he was dating a Nazi, the perfect Nazi look with the blonde hair. Yeah, he's perfectly cast. I don't think I've seen him in anything else um, before this, or not that I'd really taken notice of him anyway. So, um, yeah, I mean, they couldn't have found anyone better for that for that part, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, I don't even recognise that it was the same actor from that show until I looked it up because obviously how how he's lo- he looks like in this with the the longer like blonde hair. Very egosly going into this, the most well known person to me was was Carl Urban, who like, plays Billy. But yeah. Obviously, obviously, we all know who uh, who he is. A great great actor. My mates actually met him at a comic con. He's apparently really nice. Uh-huh. Uh, um, and also Erin Moriarty, because um, I remember her. She had a small role in um, Jessica Jones, didn't she? I think I think she in did, season yeah, one, and so does that um, ginger one as well. She she was like one of her neighbours, wasn't she? I think so. Yeah, uh, and, uh, I think when the person who I think he did, appeared a lot before this, but I think he started getting roles out after this. Is there? Does uh, Jack Quaid who plays Huey? Mm. He's the son of uh, the son of Dennis Quaid. Uh, I think he's like been, been getting quite a few more roles since this came out. Like he was in that new Scream movie, apparently. Yeah, I think a lot. I think a lot of because there's a, there's a few actors I don't I don't know um, massively before they came on here. Obviously, Sean uh, Carlo Espos. I can never say his surname. <laughs> Esposito. He, he's yeah. he's he's like your go-to villain. He's always. Um, Brilliant. From season one, obviously, I knew Elizabeth Shue from uh, mm-hmm. Leaving Las Vegas. She uh, yeah. was a big film she's in with uh, Nick Cage. And I know, um, is it Layla Robbins who plays Grace Malloroy? Because she was in uh, she was in the blacklist for a, a season and a bit as well. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah really so- good, strong cast. Yeah, really good, like, mix of people. Uh, funny thing about Huey, I think in the comics he's meant to be British as well, or I think he's actually maybe Scottish in the comics. And uh, the look, he, from what I've heard, people who have read the comics said that his look looks a little bit like he was drawn, at, designed after a lot of, like, Simon Pegg, which is why they have Simon Pegg playing Huey's dad in the show, as a little nod to the comics. They've American-washed him. We should start yeah. a petition. Well, they kind of made up for in that that show. They did those kind of like that little animated anthology series, the Diabolical, where they did a different version of Huey, which was more comic accurate, where they got Simon Pegg in to voice him. But the oh, biggest right. of that episode, <laughs> biggest game of that episode, though, is that for some reason they didn't they didn't think to get Carl Urban in to voice Billy Butcher. I think I think they actually got Jason Isaacs in for that one episode to voice uh, Butcher for some reason. Maybe he just wasn't available. He's he is quite. Um, a busy, high-in-demand actor. Yeah. I first saw him in the Star Trek films, you know, the newer ones, and then he was in uh, Dread. Oh, I've heard a, a funny story about him. Like, he was talking about how he likes to play like pranks and like jokes with certain actors that he's worked with. I think he was he was being asked about a joke Simon Pegg had played on. He goes, you know, like, I may not get him back immediately, but I'll, but I'll get him back eventually. And then he tells the story about Viggo Mortensen, like, 
he once played a joke on me. Uh, I waited ten years, but I eventually got him back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and apparently, what he did to Vigo is uh, he was promoting a film, and a lot of the press who were talking to him said, "Oh yeah, Vigo's going to be here tomorrow. We've got a, a junkie with him. He's promoting his new film." And then Carlman said, "Oh yeah, I've got a few days off, and then it's." Uh, this week, so I'm actually going to go up to see him. He's just bought a goat farm up in, I can't remember where he said, but he basically tells every interviewer who he met that day that Vigo Mortensen apparently bought a goat farm, which is <laughs> not true. <laughs> and then he got an angry message from Vigo the next day, because apparently no one wanted to ask him any questions about the film he was trying to promote. They just kept asking him about the supposed <laughs> goat farm they heard he bought. <laughs> That's quite good. That's quite a good one, actually. I just imagine that, like that scene where Homer's in a feud with like George Bush and fucks up his hair. Goes, does anyone have any questions? Not about the hair. Everyone puts their <laughs> hands back down. <laughs> but I did have one small complaint about the boys. Is that you know they've gone to a cast quite a big star, really, and Simon Pegg, and very, very rarely utilise him. It's a shame he's got such a small role. I think he, he could be brilliant in this if he had a, a larger, more meteor part. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame. I actually forgot he was even part of the show. I know he was in mm. season one, but like when I watched what season three, he has that one bit where he's on the phone to Huey. Okay, I thought, like, oh yeah, he was a part of this because it's been that long since I've seen him on it. <laughs> and also, sort of growing up watching Simon Pegg, it also makes me feel very old that he's also enough to be playing somebody's dad now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, he doesn't really like you. Know, you know, it's a bit older, but when you actually look at Simon Pegg from like his earlier stuff, it's not as if he's aged that much. He's still, you know, he's only exactly two ages better than you know some others. Oh yeah, he, he, he hasn't aged too bad at all. To be yeah. to be fair to him, <clears throat> mm-hmm. but shall we get to the episodes at hand? Yes, we shall. So, episode, we'll start with episode one uh, called Payback. <laughs> and I love the opening to this. It's a cool opening. We start <laughs> with, um, is it Dawn of the Seven? So, it's yeah. the the movie. You don't, like, you're not sort of told or you don't really know it's uh, the movie. You just sort of see um, a Homelander Talking to talking to somebody, uh, you seem to be Stormfront. Um, you know, she's been all villainous, and he's talking to her. Um, I can't remember the exact lines of dialogue, but the camera pans, and we see it's not actually Stormfront, but it's Charlize Theron of all people. I mean, now they got her for something like the boys. I don't know. Did she read the script for the rest of the episode, do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I find it hard to believe that she agreed to do the bit that she even did, given some of the lines that she has to deliver. Because, obviously, this film, they announced it in a vault meeting in season one, and they were going to do, oh, we're going to tell the story, quote-unquote, of the, the, the seven getting together i.e. the version we want to tell people so they'll come see our film. And like, well, they had that translucent character who then got killed off. And then they said, oh, don't worry, we'll use someone in motion capture to pretend to be him. <laughs> then you see them filming it through much of season two, including Stormfront, who was never part of the original seven. They quote-unquote wrote Adrian out because they didn't think he was any good to them anymore. And then at the end, yeah, they've rushed Adrian back into the film. 
And so now Storm fronts the villain because they're trying to save some publicity after the whole, you know, ever promoting a woman who turned out to be a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she says some sort of like quite Nazi lines, and uh, yeah, and then sort of speaks in German in parts of it. So it's quite good. And if you uh, try and look for her, she's actually done it uncredited as well. So I, I don't know whether that's because she didn't want her name to be associated with exploding penis. Maybe <laughs> something. Said it for the fun of it. Yeah, she might have just, you know, she might have been a fan of the show and asked her agent to see if he could get her, uh, you know, a, a small part in the uh, in the series. You just you just never know, you know. Big actors will do that if they if they like a show, they'll try and get themselves a little cameo role in it. So mm-hmm. it might have even been something like that because you know you see her in interviews and that, and she she looks like quite a, a fun person and. And whatnot, yeah. so uh, could easily believe that. But uh, I mean, it's, yeah, so. it's better than our it's better than our cameo in bloody Doctor Strange. I'll tell you that for nothing. Definitely, don't even know what that was all about. To be perfectly honest, but uh, yeah, it's a brilliant little scene, and um, it's sort of uh, oh man, does his eye thing, and she does some um, like lightning stuff out of her fingers and uh, the rest of the seven show up to back home and they're up because you can't possibly beat Stormfront alone or that's the film and then we get all this we sort of see them watching it in the cinema and then we get um, all this um, sort of advertising and spoof stuff like the uh, director saying everyone can't say anything they, they want to see the, the book Cut and <laughs> sort of like parody in uh, the Justice League and the Snyder Cut, and even the the name of the film Dawn of the Seven is a, a sort of riff on uh, Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice. So it's all very cleverly done, tongue and cheek. If you say like. Uh... So in this film, they basically changed it to Stormfront being the villain and try and make Cole Anderson like a girl. Oh, he never knew she it was all Stormfront's fault. And then you'll see him saying that same thing, doing the same rhetoric to every media outlet across the red carpet. Uh, but inside, you can tell he's dead inside after the whole Stormfront thing. And then like the it turned into a genetic superhero team up at the end. But well. This like red carpet scene, there are so many in jokes to real life like films, not just superhero ones, just thrown out like Yake said, the reshoots and the bot cut and everything in the on the seven. But you also said, like we also thought about you no know, just dumping the movie on Vault Plus. So we'll get to be using the plus reference in there as well. And then the bit where he's quite aggressively shagging the uh, the yeah. HR woman who's always filling out her hair, Ashley. So he mentions Tony Gilroy coming in to reshoot all his stuff, which as a reference to Tony Gill helping a lot with reshoots on Rogue One. So basically the guy's taking credit for his quote-unquote cut when really they had to bring in another director to do it all for him and she's just yelling like, you're a fucking fraud. <laughs> and he just agrees with her because he's getting a shag. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact he comes out and shakes Huey's hand and then Huey just has that big more. He just looks at his hand like, if I wasn't washing my hands, I definitely am now. <laughs> yeah, doesn't he like leave a bit of a hair in his hands or something as well? <laughs> I think so. But I do love like Huey's awkwardness on the uh, the red carpet amongst all like the heroes and uh, 
you got Newman there as well. And then there's just a bit where he's just done in there with, with Adrian after everything that happened between those two in the first season. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, who, who are you, my man? Who thought we'd be here? <laughs> that wasn't at all awkward. No, not at all. <laughs> you thought you doing? He said, it's a bad day. He goes, good, because I didn't care. And yeah, through all the the um, sort of publicity for this film, all everybody wants to ask Homelander is about uh, Stormfront and her being a Nazi, and he's having to sort of reiterate time and time again, oh, I'm just a man who fell in love. I didn't know she was a Nazi. <laughs> I mean, it's that, it's that old embarrassing chestnut. You fall in love with a girl, introduce her to your parents and your friends, and she takes you home, and you stumble into her basement, and you find all this Nazi paraphernalia. It's, it's the oldest one in the book. I know, I mean, that's why Homelander is such a relatable character. I mean, who hasn't been there? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, mean, I always thought it was weird when she kept asking me to dress up as Hitler every time we had sex, but you know, I just didn't think anything of it. I just thought she learned German because she wanted to be more <laughs> multicultural, you know. Like, exactly. I mean, I didn't really know. I didn't know her real name wasn't Eva. I thought it was weird when she uh, asked me if she had a moustache but just leave the middle part. I thought she was just a child of chat. We all have our fetishes. <laughs> okay, I think we're getting to some weird ground here now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's when I got asked to remove a testicle that it went too far for me. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I think I've gone too far for Scott as well. You are so far past the line, you could not even see the line. The line is a dot to you. <laughs> I think I, I think I think the Disney contract's gone forever now. That's a bit. <laughs> I may have even talked about the worst part of this episode, and we're already fucked. <laughs> But, Not even yeah. Amazon, who aired the content that we're talking about, will hire us to podcast about them now. <laughs> yeah, we'll be, we'll be delisted. Something we should even say about the boys, like, throughout these years, it's, it's amazing that a show produced by a company who famously has been criticised for, you know, the lack of tax that it pays, features a show that takes so many shots at big corporations. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we are going to get to the best part because thanks to an unknown source that um, he's not prepared to reveal, but we, we find out who it is soon enough in the episode, um, Butcher and Co. have infiltrated a party to, to find um, a soup called Termite. His powers is he can, spit like Ant-Man, basically, he can shrink himself right down and he still has the proportional strength of um, something very strong, basically. And um, I think we see him in a, a doll house pretending to shack a Barbie doll. <laughs> of, of all things. And... <laughs> There's nothing for me to stick it in there, so he's just slamming it against it. That's got to be painful for him, really. And everybody, and everybody else, is, there's a mixture of you know support, and there's just some people just watching it on in shock. 
<laughs> some are having a, well, some are having a bit of a laugh about it, aren't they? But uh, yeah. yeah, he um, makes himself big again and um, hops into a bit of a private room with his um, boyfriend. By the looks of it, they do a bit of they do a bit of coke, and uh, the guy says to my, "I want you inside me." And what happens next was not what I was expecting. I mean, he quite literally wanted him inside there. <laughs> God. So, sinks right down, <laughs> enters his boyfriend through his euphoria, and, uh, <laughs> God, starts tickling him inside, and he's about to sneeze, but he manages to hold it in. But... Um, doesn't work and he lets out a massive sneeze and as he sneezes he expands to his full size again ripping the poor bloke in half basically and you've got guts and viscera all all over the place it's it's, it's a scene that you have to watch to believe i mean i mean never in my day did i think i'd see anything quite like that on a proper like program i mean what was your sort of reaction to this uh this scene uh, scott i mean there are a million ways to interpret the man wanting termite inside of him and not things i thought i'd say today this is it seems like this where i'm thankful my family doesn't listen to any podcasts i do uh, <laughs> so there's a million ways he could have went even when he shrunk down i still thought he was going to go to the back end like the parody of the, <laughs> the tv everybody everybody said that they thought that adamantio just went up thanos's ass and exploded and the boys decided to take a realistic look at how that actually would go but then he went the the other way and just the the graphic detail the use of perspective here is just yeah uh, the <laughs> and then it really uh, is the way he just comes out of him like after because he sneezes because he's on so much cocaine and the guy's got set up over. I remember where I was when I was watching this. I was hungover. It was the day after I'd been to a friend's party. I was eating my lunch. And then I was like, oh, it's three episodes. I'll go watch at least the first two before I need to head out later on today. So I did eat my lunch. Didn't feel so hungry after this scene. <laughs> well, that, that hot dog just didn't taste the same, did it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was watching it with I mean, my mate. My mate, he came round for a couple of beers and we uh, played a bit of pool and watched, um, watched a couple of episodes of the boys and yeah, his his face and reaction to that scene. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. Uh, it's just not what you thought was going to happen. Like you got to think, like something has to happen. You like someone's got to walk in on them, or you didn't know what was going to happen. And you know, if he really wanted to, you know, not kill him when he felt the need to sneeze, he really should have tried the old trick of just saying elephant multiple times because that always does it for me when I don't want to sneeze. I'll be—I never wanted to sneeze while being inside someone's penis. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is all, that that won't be a bridge you have to cross, Scott. See, many of us don't think that's a bridge we have to cross until we have to cross it. <laughs> Life has a funny way of working out some things. God. <laughs> but uh, poor old Frenchie walks in on the scene and um, 
he's about to leave him to his own devices when someone says, no, you, I can't let you leave after you've, you've seen this because he's basically killed killed, killed a man, even though it was unintentional. And he shrinks right down and tries to run up, <laughs> runs up inside Frenchie's tries as he starts panicking and trying to fasten himself and Kamiko walks in and goes, he's in me try he's trying to get into my asshole Kamiko <laughs> manages to get termite before he, he runs he runs up that far and because termite's still little he's still got this proportional strength we get to see some pretty cool scenes of him throwing them about <laughs> and um it's Butcher who has to come in and uh, eventually um, I think he's trying to is he trying to jump into Frenchie's mouth or something and he holds up a bag of coke and um, Tim ends up jumping into that and it's quite a funny scene as Butcher's shaking him and he's inside it and empties a bag off and he's like go on have a bump <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's called the snow globe where you're inside the little bag of cocaine and then he's just shaking him about like a kid who's just bought a new goldfish and then he's, yeah. he's like he's like tempted to like just kill him and everything but you know he's trying to do things Jimmy's way at first and so reluctantly he doesn't kill him he goes well I managed to make Jimmy Jimmy cricket this fucking out Dane yeah they're, they're doing things right at the moment because um Jeevy's working for Victoria's um, Bureau of uh, Soups or something, isn't it? I can't remember exact. Uh, uh, <laughs> Excuse me. Superhero Affairs or something like that. That's it, yeah. But that all quite quickly unravels as we'll, as we'll get to. Um, Robert Singer who, um, I love this, I love how, how on the nose Jim Beaver's <laughs> character name is in this, Robert Singer. I mean, it's basically, Bob, it's, I mean, in Supernatural, he's Bobby Singer, but it's basically the same name. Eric Kripke hasn't even bothered to think of a new name for this character. <laughs> I know. And like, I think the whole reason these characters Supernatural was called Bobby Singer was because there was a Robert Singer in the production crew. Yeah. Because they revealed that in like season six after Bobby's been killed off. Mm. And they have Bobby Robert Singer in there to play himself. And because there's an episode where they go into a world where they play Jensen and Jared. It's like, well, you need a character to sell. What kind of egotist is that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. It's when they sort of go back in, they go into a different universe, don't they, or something. Mm-hmm. So Supernatural was doing multiverses before it was even cool. <laughs> yeah, so we're a bit more Supernatural actors than a lot of that, won't we? <laughs> but I think I just put that a little bit there randomly because he doesn't show up quite yet looking at my notes. Um, he might have just been in some sort of advert or... Um, uh, poster or something, but it just it just makes it just makes me laugh that yeah, it's practically the same name as uh, what it was in Supernatural. But we get we get to see the first sign of things going a bit wrong for Huey as um, he runs into a guy sitting in the office, uh, and he says he's waiting for to see Nadia as he points to a, a post 
picture of uh, Victoria Newman, and he was obviously a bit confused, and he's like, oh, there's no, no nard." No Nadia here. What yeah, mm-hmm. what are you on about? And he tries to explain, no, we, we go we, we go by way back. We're we're old friends and before we couldn't tell him anymore, he's escorted away by security. So yeah. all is not what it seems. Yeah. And it's because like he's got that big montage, um, you know, with Starlight and then him going to the office seem like amongst all the cubicle kind of nerdies, the uh He's he's suddenly the cool one in the office because you know he mm. he's the one going out with Superior. He's helped take down people like Stormfront and everything. So he's kind of on on top of the world and everything. And you know there's some things between him and and Newman that I think really tease what's going to be really like. He talks about not being covered in blood and guts, which you know goes back to how he ends the episode. And then there's a scene between Dakota Bob or Robert Singer as he's called. Uh, and Stan Aker, where he says, I have still have a few strings to play, and then immediately cut to the next scene, and who's the first person you see is Newman, and we realise that those two have a bit more in common than we realise. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, I think we learned at the end of season two, didn't we, that it was Victoria Newman that was was the head popper, but mm-hmm. um, obviously the cat. I can remember my exact reaction when that was revealed. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I thought she was like, "Oh, good, good like, there's still some allies for the boys and everything." Then it was revealed to be like, "Oh, you bastard!" <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it was only revealed to us the viewer when um, other characters are obviously aren't, aren't aware yet. So that was mm-hmm. quite a good revelation and um, I think it pretty much ended the second season, wasn't it? That that revelation, if I remember. I think Correctly. it was that, and she walks into her office, and she walks into her office, and Huey's there, and then she kind of shuts the door, and that starts the the kind of friendship that they had, they've seemingly developed. It's like they say a years pass between seasons two and three. Yeah, and um, we we get to see what Mother's Milk has been getting up to since he left um, the the boys and. He's been trying to have a bit of a better relationship with his daughter, Janine, and she's having a big superhero-themed party, and um, her new stepdad is uh, well into it, all dressed up as Homelander and and stuff, and uh, <laughs> he's a bit of a bit of a dick, really. This new stepdad, <laughs> in all in all fairness, and you can tell yeah. uh, Marvin isn't too keen on him. Hmm. I do like the back and forth between Marvin and his ex-wife because I felt sad when I first watched the episode because the whole his whole story arc in the, first, the second season was the fact that he hated them being on the run because he was missing out on time with his family but then they, then, they, then they got reunited at the end of the second season now they're not together anymore and uh, I do like how he immediately regrets his actions where he says uh, when she tells, tells him to move on from the whole superhero thing goes oh like you did and then he suddenly regrets saying that Hmm. It's a bit. It's a bit. It's a bit like um, Owen Lars, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like, like you did. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's, he seems uh, at this point. He seems to be moving on, but um, we know better. Yeah, no, nobody gets to have a happy life. Nobody gets to be, you know, content for any period, long period of time in the boys. But then, 
But we do get uh, Stan Adger talking to uh, presidential candidate Robert Singer, and uh, he's telling him about um, trying to uh, sell the to the army and uh, superheroes in the army. And Robert Singer's like, no, no, that's just not going to fly. Rob, superheroes in the army is a clusterfuck, basically. Um we're not going to be doing. We're not going to be doing that. And um, Stanek is sort of. He, he presses his button and all this like door shut and that. And you think he's going to start doing something dodgy, but he's like, "You're right." <laughs> and I think he's just as bright as the viewer, isn't he? You're like, yeah, I, I am. <laughs> he goes, "We got this new." And he introduces this new product, Temp V, twenty-four hour superheroes and um well nothing could possibly go wrong with that hey scott no 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 because he's done the whole issue is about giving people superpowers was you know making them into heroes because we turned them into spoiled brats and everything like we should be we should be like a pharmaceutical and kind of company and you know he says like i won't be out of the superhero game in the next five years like he just gives us all this air like i'm done with these superheroes and their bullshit <laughs> and they've got uh robert singer is just like no nah, i don't buy the whole thing with v24 like even given even if it does work like that means if it's only 24 hours then we need to keep buying doses and he's like charging like 60 odd million per shot and he goes like it's a whole team one month campaign that's like 600 million uh that we have to pay for for the for this temp fee yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> it, it, and, it's and, as we, and as we learn in this uh, across the series, that when you even t- when you take any form of V, you're not even guaranteed what abilities you get. So, how do we know a soldier takes it and gets abilities that would even help him in a fucking like desert warfare? Yeah, exactly. It's it's completely random what sort of um, powers you get, and you might end up with a ten foot cock. I mean, how's that really going to help you? And uh, <laughs> how's your love sausage going to help you in uh, in the middle of a battlefield? I was going to suggest maybe you get power similar to the deep, but if you're fighting in a desert, you know, talking to fish and everything's not going to help you. But you well, had, that. Just had to go that extra step. <laughs> This might be the last boys podcast we ever do. <laughs> he takes one step away from the family friendly image of Disney and he's you want to be left side and he acts like a big boy and he just has to take it too far. <laughs> Honestly, but, but yeah, back back with the boys and uh Victorious sort of gives Huey the bad news that um Termite is off the table and some sort of deal's been struck and um, instead they're getting three other guys to bang up them because reels off their names I didn't really pay much attention and he was like what three B-listers that, that's mm-hmm. that's just great that is um, he's not super happy about it but she turns him round but um, when he tells Butcher Butcher is less than impressed by the whole situation as well so um it's like because you try to like spew up about the whole like statistics and everything how to be your related damages down he's like yeah it's newman talking can you take her hand out your arse for for two minutes and he's just he's jailing back and forth like you're just basically working with what now and 
Also, as you mentioned, that Kimiko trying to you know get more into express herself more through music and everything. She's just playing her little keyboard then, as which is in the middle of his run. He just turns and goes, "Oh, he's doing fucking wonder." <laughs> 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 yeah. Is it is it that is it this episode where we sort of see uh uh have a bit of a sing? Is it when they're in that yeah. um, party and the girls playing um uh Yeah the piano. Yeah, and uh, Dream of Little Dream of Me, I think it was, and Kamika starts singing, you think it's really happening, but it's actually her imagination. But um nevertheless, um she has a very she has a very good voice to be fair to her. Yeah, it's weird because like you don't get to hear her talk like as part of Kimiko singing since she can't speak. And then the first time you get to hear the actress like say anything in the show, she gets to show yeah how good of a voice she has. But I still haven't watched it back for this review. I find it jarring. There's this woman playing a nice little song in a dimly lit room. And the meanwhile, in the bigger room next door, there's a group of people watching a tiny man fuck a doll. Like, what kind <laughs> yeah. of party is this? <laughs> Very strange party. <laughs> I can see parties where one of those one of those two things has happened, but not both of them simultaneously. No, exactly. It's uh, bizarre. Bizarre. Perhaps you know she was brought along by someone. Didn't want anything to do with it. Find the room with a piano. Thought, right, I'm going to hide away in here while they shank Barbie dolls or or whatever. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but back to the episode at hand. We have Stan Edgar and he's um, called call call a meeting. Starlight's there and her mother, oh, oh, uh, I've been called into a meeting with, uh, with, with Stan. I don't know what you're doing here. And he said, no, actually, I've, I've called you both here. And he sits them down and he starts explaining that. Oh man, this numbers are down, but Starlight's a massive. She's got a 96. Nobody's ever had a 96, ever. So we're going to make Starlight co-captain of the seven. And um, mm-hmm. Homeland's not too keen on this idea. Starlight isn't at first because she's scared to what Homelander might do. So she does her best to try and turn it down at first. And... Um, Stanagar dismisses, dismisses Homeland to have a word alone with Starlight and he starts, look, you know, this is your time, this is your opportunity, you'll have full authority and you need, you know, you should take this um, because this chance because it'll never come round again. So she kind of begrudgingly uh, accepts and uh, apparently it's all been okay to the board in, in advance. So, uh, yeah, so that's a nice little turn um, on things, um, taking a bit of control away from Homelander and making Starlight co-captain. Yeah, it was interesting because uh, it's very similar to how he plays, you know, Moff Gideon and, and Thorazin, that, you know, he's not the strongest ever, but, you know, he, he knows he's mentally ahead, ahead of everybody, so that's what makes him so good as a bad guy like the fact he just dismisses like Homelander so like you know how far he just goes oh yeah set, set an appointment with man well, well I'll continue talking with you another time and then he basically like Starlight when he when Diagor's like slagging him off he's like 
you know, you can probably hear, he goes, yeah, I hope he does let him have his little bitch fit and everything. His <laughs> own mother is acting like a spoiled child because he wants to be the most loved like, of all the, the heroes. He thinks everyone should, you know, love him. And he's basically saying to yourself, like, you know, real power isn't like shooting something out of your wrist. It's like being able to bend people to your will, make them do what you want to do. So I think, again, beautifully shows why this part is perfect for John Carlos busy doing. Have we already seen the bit where, where basically... Uh, Homelander's done yet another interview on that Vought News, which may or may not be inspired by Fox News. <laughs> but yeah, he's so good at playing that sort of villain that's always, as you say, might not be the strongest or most powerful in a sense of um, inner sort of strength power, but he always seems to be perfectly in control of the situation no matter what's no matter what's happening he sort of excludes a, excludes a, a calm and authority that you just can't seem to deny also speaking of people doing interviews can we talk about the deep who we talked about earlier on and his, uh, his new book that he's got called Deeper where he quote unquote escaped the church when he just fucked off it really when he joined that basically <laughs> that cult and then he references Leah Remy I think he, he, he mentioned who was the actress who famously left Scientology and then spoke out about it I think he made a whole documentary about it and then they announced that he's making a made for TV movie about his time escaping the church titled Not Without My Dolphin <laughs> and it's streaming on the quote bot TV network for women or whatever it is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a bit like a, like a Hallmark kind of channel, yeah. perhaps. And then they brought in bloody Billy Zane to play the, the guy ahead of the church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, now we have another thing I love about this series is uh, their riff on like, yeah, um, talent shows and they've got <laughs> one called American Hero where they get to pick the next two members of the seven to fill in the the, the, the gaps they, they, they've got um, in their lineup. and we see um, we're introduced to Supersonic who mm-hmm. not only was part of like a, a boy band back in the day, but is also an old flame of um, Starlight. So hence awkwardness and jealousy from Huey, bless him. Uh, I think it does go from like the interview on that, that Vought News uh, with the deep tier a hard cut to the show, which the logo is basically, I think, maybe like a, a take on the American Ninja Warrior, but the whole thing is like, oh, please hang up your keep and go. It's, it's very much a superhero version of like mm. America's next top model yeah. kind of thing. And then obviously they heavily talk about, oh, people have to learn lines and how things are edited on the reality show, like pointing the fact that reality TV for the most part isn't reality. And they're heavily pushing that, oh, maybe he'll rejoin the seven. He'll Maybe he'll get to join the seven because of his I mean, Starlight's relationship. Because I don't know if everybody, a lot of people in the public either know or care about the fact that Starlight's already in a relationship with Yui. No, probably not. So um, (laughs) it's quite a good. He's quite a good little character, uh, Supersonic, and um, I quite, I quite like his little arc throughout the 
about the series, if even if it spoiler alert doesn't end particularly well for him. No, no, it definitely does not. But I had a feeling early on that it wasn't going to work out well for him. You know, he just he just seemed too nice for this kind of world. <laughs> he, he does bless him, but when we see um, see Homeland and A Train in uh, the hallways of the Vault Building, and uh, Homeland is giving A Train some stick about not being fat anymore and putting on weight and oh, look at this look at this bit of a stomach and all you all you eating and that and as he walks off. A train mutters something under his breath, and obviously, because he has super hearing, Romander hears him, and he's like, What did you say? What did you say? And he says, Say sorry. And he sort of goes a bit sort of ape shit on, her, and on A train and roughs him up a little bit. So, uh, yeah, be careful. Be careful what you mutter under your breath or, or, or around superheroes. Because he says to him that. Oh, you know, I need to eat a certain amount of calories because they're having to run. He goes, yeah, when you actually ran, you did. Because obviously they revealed it because mm. obviously him abusing something being and many other substances, his heart can't really take him uh, like running anymore. But, you know, they find a solution to that later in the season. And uh, part of me just thought, like, you know, waiting list take a long time, but why didn't they just think of that much sooner? Surely somebody in Vault or someone close to him should have considered that as an option. Well, they obviously needed a superhero heart, and perhaps they're a bit um, more difficult to to get hold of. But uh, it, that's quite a good bit of a story as well when we get to it, the, <laughs> whose heart he actually gets and what not. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, brilliant. <laughs> and um, another good bit is when we see Homelander with... Um, Stormfront is in a hospital bed, uh, a shell of a former self. Uh, most of one of our one of her arms is missing, and her face is all um, scarred and, and mushed up. She's barely alive, bless her. And she looks very Anakin, Revenge of the Sith, doesn't she? That's the That's say, yeah. I was convinced she died when when Ryan basically leaves. Yeah, yeah, it was. But uh, yeah, um, she gives uh, Homelander a hand job as she still talks about him being their uh, Nazi, sort of Nazi champion and bringing in a, a new, a new, a new world <laughs> with. Um, I forget our exact lines of dialogue. Now you'll probably yeah. remember. <laughs> and yeah. uh, even Homelander's like appalled by this. And, oh, not this again! <laughs> I totally forgot. See, I told you. Oh, we don't need. We don't need a master. If I'm the master, he's like enough with the Nazis. She gets all upset about it, and mm. like he's like, I brought. I came in here because you've got one good hand left, and like you can't even can't even get through one of these without you spewing your Nazi shit. Right? And they just he leaves up there. <laughs> She's just obsessed. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we, we sort of we discover that um, it's Queen Maeve that is um, Butcher's sauce, and um, she, she's a bit miffed that she gave him that information on where to find Termite, and they were unable to either kill him or even lock him up. But... Um, 
she's got some information on her weapon that might be able to kill Homeland because uh, um, they believe it. Um, it's something that killed Soldier Boy. It was basically a, a version of Homelander way back in the day. He was uh, super un, super unkillable. So that's something that sort of piques Butcher's um, interest, and she tells him he she need, he needs to sort of find out what really happened and question his his old team. Was it is it payback? Is his old team? Is that who yeah. they were called? That's that's the name of the episode. And uh, she introduces Butcher to this thing that's still in the works in R and D. This tenth day now. Butcher and Tenth V. Now, this can't end badly, can it? So, all she says, like, it's still not perfect. And he goes, oh, great. So, maybe I get to the pearls. Maybe my bollocks swell up. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, like, the, the Seven are maybe more of a Justice League parody, whereas I think Payback are meant to be more of a parody of uh, the, the Avengers with, you know, Soldier White basically yeah. being like their Captain America. That Crimson Countess that he said that Maeve claims that well, uh, so had a relationship with was basically meant to be like their Scarlet Witch or whatever. And so she points out like that her and Payback, her and the uh, Gunpowder, who was like you say get basically like if any of these two, these two are probably the people you should talk to to figure out what happened to the Soldier Boy because basically I think if they can find out how he died, given he's basically so similar to Homelander that maybe they can finally find something to kill Homelander because he's feeling. Clearly, just blackmail them isn't doing it for them. No, no, it's uh, that's not that's not going to work anymore. So they need to find a more, or what they think is a more permanent solution. So um, that's how we get to uh, Soldier Boy and in, in, in this series, which is quite cool. We um, the real slow burn to actually get Soldier Boy because across these episodes, the most we get of them is like. Some like brief footage and characters like show everything, and you know, they really so, like I said, tea like before they actually give you much of Soldier Boy because you think you, you get him earlier on in the show, given that there was all this hype and Jensen Ackles did so many interviews leading into the show and talking about joining the cast. Yeah, it's quite heavily promoted, and yeah, he's, he doesn't show up till like at least halfway through, through the series, really. As you say, you get a few clips. Of him uh, as an old fo- as an old footage here and there, but uh, yeah, his screen time is quite quite limited, surprisingly. But um, there we go, and um, we sort of see back at his apartment that old Marvin Mother's Milk. He's perhaps not quite as um, better and off the superhero. Thing is, we were led to believe is he has a whole sort of thing in his closet, and he have clippings and files and that all sort of stuck up and that. So uh, yeah, he, he he's definitely definitely still obsessed. Bless him. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely sort of like he finds out that he has some like, connection with Soldier while he's obsessed with him because Butcher comes to him for info. He brings to me a wee like model of Vought Tower, and he's just jokingly going, "Here we go, five hundred pieces of family stuff." <laughs> 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 yeah. I should also uh, mention you can't really hear him 
But uh, again, yes, the Mickey's coming one way or another. Dexter just came out of the room. Hello, pal. Hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he just he, he could I had to put him in a different room while I was recording and eventually he's walking up and like, Where's he going? He sniffed me out. <laughs> Bless him. Come here, buddy. But yeah. um yeah, Huey sort of uh he sees um Victoria down the street and tries to call after her but she she ignores him or doesn't hear him, so he, he sort of Run chases after and follows her, and he sees her meeting this. Um, I think he calls himself Tony, the guy from the office, and uh, he's obviously a super too. And they they end up having a bit of a scuffle, and obviously um, Victoria Sosnagi has to use her powers to um, to stop him, and she first actually sort of blows his arm off at first, and then part of his part of his face which uh, Huey witnesses and realises he's been working for a soup all along Scott <laughs> another one of those old chestnuts you think you're working for a normal person and you find out your boss is a warped superhero all along uh, it's quite horrifying how she takes out to it's like yeah like he's very much stronger than her, so she manages to blow up only part part of his face, and like so he's like jaw tying off, but you can quickly tell he's still alive, and then she just fully explodes him in. Huey, while he's hiding behind the bin, it's just raining down body parts all <laughs> yeah. over, all over Huey. <laughs> Poor boy. And then it's all beautifully, you know, we're, we have a beautiful outro set to Billy Joel after that horrifying scene. <laughs> Hmm. Well, you know, you need something to relax you, and what mm. better than a bit of Billy Joel? <laughs> um, perhaps that's the music you should put on the end of uh, this podcast if you're looking for something. A bit of Uptown Girl, you can't go wrong. Well, it's either that or the Crimson Curtains' is, uh, blockbuster chimp Oh, <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, we'll be getting to that in a minute. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so now we're on episode two, The Only Man in the Sky. And as Scott's already referenced, this episode opens up with um, a, like a spoof promo for the, um, the uh, Deep's new made-for-TV movie, I think it is, Not Without yeah. My Dolphin. Let's say Billy Zane as head of the the church and stuff. Oh God, it's uh, <laughs> the things they come up with, just brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, and then the whole cuts to uh, a thing of Bullander promoting his birthday celebration. He's seeing all the chants that mm. was like, "Vote for Robin, vote TV, vote Plus, and vote Amundo." And he's saying he's listening. He's mentioning listening all the guests like. Starlight, the cast of Riverdale, Dame Judy then. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so random. <laughs> Dame Judy Dench. <laughs> and the fact that we didn't somehow get a Dame Judy Dench cameo in the boys is beyond oh, me. Can you imagine? <laughs> you really get Helen Mirren for Fast and Furious and Shazam. And, you know, I'm sure Dame Judy, 
much as Petr, he's not been in great too many. He's been in a fair set of shite things over the years, but that you can appear in the boys. Come on, no, no, no you're not. You're not above the boys, Dame Judy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then we um, we go to Butcher, who's um, looks like he's about to shoot up with some of this. Temp V as he's um, getting talked to by different people on the TV. I think you got know, Homelander there, sort of. Thing. You won't do it. You haven't got the the, the cojones and nothing. He sort of then he sort of he's Huey sort of uh, talking to him, trying to talk him out of. Uh, shoot him up, uh, shooting up. But then he sort of he's woken up. It was. In a cold sweat, it was all a terrible dream, as if as if Butcher was really stooped to use intently. <laughs> um, I mean, that's not going to happen, is it? No, not for another 40 minutes or however long as much is left <laughs> of this episode. But yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's Ryan who's woken up with a uh, Zoom call and he said... Uh, well, what, what are you doing now? Of course, you said I could call after eight. It's three minutes past, which is <laughs> which is typical. You, know, you say after eight, and you really what you're meaning is somewhere about like ten o'clock. But a child's mind is like it's three minutes past. That's past <laughs> eight. <laughs> you know, he he's been sitting at that computer since like five to eight. You know, and just waiting for <laughs> what he feels in his head is a respectable amount of time. <laughs> and he says, "Ah, oh, this is a, a video that I've always watched. It it helps me sleep, and um, you, you should watch it too." And Butcher's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'll watch it." So, some um, some other point, but he doesn't watch it right now. But um, we will get to that in due course. It's quite a quite a moving little thing, actually. To to be fair, when we do get to it. Um, but yeah, we sort of see um, perhaps the relationship with him and his um, his wife's son Ryan isn't quite um, quite as good as he'd like it to be. Yeah, he kind of snaps them a wee bit, and mm. like, he's doing his best because, like, at first he didn't want anything to do with him because also he knows, like, as much as he's Becker's uh, kid, he's also Homelander's kid, so. Uh, he's trying his best, you know, to actually be some sort of, you know, parental figure to him. I mean, uh, this is Butcher at the end of the day, so even without all that, it probably wouldn't be too terrific. Yeah, <laughs> I think even he knows that as well. But uh, yeah, we get to see we see Homelander visiting Stormfront and telling her it's his birthday, but she sort of basically just sort of groans <laughs> in uh, <laughs> and doesn't really give him the response he wants so um, things aren't looking very good there either He's, he fobbed her off from you know he doesn't want to be her Nazi master race any anymore she's not going to give him any hand jobs by the looks <laughs> of it <laughs> uh, uh, it's quite you almost feel bad for her but then you remember how horrible she was in season two, so you think, nah, fuck her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Butcher then 
pops around to see uh, Marvin and wants to try and convince him to come back on on board. You know, he's he says, oh, it's soldier boy. You know, this might give you the the answers and the the closure you've been you've been looking for. And um, said, no, 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 I'm out. I'm out. I can't. I can't do this anymore. This, I, I don't want to know, but. Oh, I, I can give you this, and he gives him a file on um, uh, Soldier Boy's sort of um, uh, what would you call it, like sidekick gun um, gunpowder. So he's got some yeah. dirt. So he's got some dirt on um, on on him to to help put him out. So. Um, who knows? Who knows? I think that's not the last we'll see of uh, Mother's Milk, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Quite uh, convenient, isn't it? He's out and he's he's over all this stuff, but conveniently, uh, I have I have these files hanging around that you can yeah, have. Yeah, <laughs> he says his dad was obsessed with Soldier Boy mm. as well, and yeah, he's never truly kind of out and like just bring him back and mentioning Soldier Boy is kind of a trigger for him, kind of. Bringing up all this repressed memories and everything. I think it was Soldier Boy that uh, killed his dad, wasn't it? He was, um, I don't know, just like a bit of a petty crook or something, and he he um, killed him. So I think that's where a lot of the sort of resentment and that comes from, which is understandable. Yeah, I think he explains it a bit more later on in the series, like mm. how he affected him and everything. So. You can, uh, you can kind of understand where he's coming from. Definitely, definitely. We've got um, French and Kimiko uh, in like um, uh, a, like a Disneyland kind of theme park. I think it's called Vaut. Is it Vaultland? Is it? Yeah. Something yeah, like Vaultland. that. And there's a section of it that they're called Queen Maeve's Inclusive Kingdom because uh, <laughs> or Brave Maeve's Inclusive Kingdom because there's the whole thing about her being by the home under outdoors being a lesbian, so they try to use that for marketing purposes, and they've got like BLT, BLM is like incorporating like Black Lives Matter and Walk, Walk, or something like that, and all everything, like using incorporation kind of use like where they cause and everything, and then there's one donut burger as well, so she's reaction to like, my God, is that a burger with a donut for a bun? It is truly no good. That's something that's been around for a long time, though. Um, burgers of um, a donut bun. I've never had one myself. It looks like a, a heart attack on a plate to me, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Dexter was lying down and he sat up when I was mentioning that burger thing. So he's like, What? Donut burgers? Where? Where, where are they? <laughs> Obviously, that's a, a trigger word to old Dexter there. <laughs> Not for you, little man, not for you. <laughs> Don't worry, if you can hear those sort of whiny noises, that, that isn't Scott having a heart attack, it's just Dexter. Yeah, he breathes like an old man, so he doesn't, he's just giving me a death stare right now. Breathes like me when I've walked up three stairs, by the sounds of it. He breathes like this now, but you should see him when he's out in a walk, he's suddenly got all the energy in the world. I shouldn't have said that word. That's his trigger word. <laughs> Don't say the W word around <laughs> W word or the V word normally with animals, isn't it? 
We're not supposed right. to understand that, our language, but you mentioned that, and I've never seen a cat move so fast. <laughs> I know. I just we were just walking by one of those uh, on a on a W board, <laughs> and he just stopped dead still, thinking he was going in. <laughs> no, I'm not going there. Damn it! <laughs> But uh, yeah, we as back on track. We yeah. um, Frenchie and um, Kamiko go to like a, a screening at the the theme park, which sort of documents um, Soldier Boy and um, how he helped them win the war in World War Two. Um, what what a what a true hero! Yeah, totally. Yeah, not a lot of bullshit or anything like that. And- no, no. <laughs> she mentioned something that Maeve said about Crimson County so when the seven overtook payback as number one superior team uh, County sent Maeve a box of cat shit <laughs> and <laughs> seeing this show when she's like when, the, when she shoots that light up in the air and to do the wide shot she's went for also being this big superhero alongside Soldier and everything and you look out in the crowd when that when they do that shot there's like mostly empty seats in their in their room <laughs> and all that Kimiko's just enjoying it the whole thing and and Frenchie just sounds like, what is this? <laughs> but yeah, she sings a bit of a, a song does Crimson Countess and um, af- afterwards they go, Frenchie and um, Kamiko go to a trailer posing as fans um, because they want to try and get her to, to give them some, some information on what happened to Soldier Boy. And um, she plays um, the the song, the infamous song that Scott mentioned before, Chimps Don't Cry. And she says, did you know that chimps really can't cry? But that doesn't mean they're, in dis- they're not in distress or anything. <laughs> and um, Kamiko's, yeah, Kamiko's like, oh, she's so lovely. And Francis is like, she's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> love, uh, love also earlier on she wanted to go on this like Homelander themed rollercoaster area like and it, it was a long way down you went to wait three hours for a for a theme and ride it was a tribute to a monster <laughs> <laughs> she was like he's all like we're maybe on a job here but she's she just wants to enjoy herself <laughs> and then again just they, they try to hold her against the wall to try and get information about Homelander which he eventually escapes and a poor guy who has to dress up as Homeland at the theme park. Like it's <laughs> yeah. A lot of people get blown up in this series, don't they? Yeah. She has to sort of hold her down but keep her hands apart. It's once she can crimson cows can bring her hands together, she can make the, the fireballs. So that's what they were trying to stop. And as they're sort of trying to interrogate a, a real a real young fan and her mother come into the trailer, which is just enough distraction. Um Crimson Countess needs to make her escape. Uh, as I say, as a chase after her, she tries to fire a fireball in their direction. But it, as Scott says, it struck a person dressed up as Homelander, and he just explodes spectacularly. <laughs> <laughs> and Yuko feels bad because there's all these kids around have to that had to mm. see that, and she kind of puts on herself. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. She starts. This is sort of the beginning of her really feeling bad about her, her, power, her powers and what she thinks that um, they make her. 
and um, back in sort of rehearsal for um, Homelander's big day. He tells Starlight that, you know, you're going to sing me happy birthday. And um, she does like a bit of a crappy rendition. He goes, no, no, that's, that's like that. I'm more Marilyn Monroe. Look, I've even got you some backup and you get some of the scantily clad ladies in the even skimpier starlight outfits than starlight is forced to wear to uh to back her up and she's like no i'm i'm not gonna do it and uh homeland's like, oh come on you're no fun and then stan Edgar chirps up if starlight doesn't want to sing you happy birthday she doesn't sing you happy birthday <laughs> he's, just, he's just sitting there in the shadows and a little production and he goes mm-hmm. like you know I think Starlight can make her own choices you know because our studies show that over 60 or percent of people will watch will make an effort by any means to watch this if she's on whereas you 58% might DVR yeah <laughs> <laughs> she's also mentioned we're, they're going to probably come up later on but the group of uh, Stormfront supporters that keep popping up across the uh mm. Also, I love the fact that they're called Storm Chasers. <laughs> I think it's maybe reference in real life, like neo-Nazi you know, rallies yeah. that happened in the last few years. Yeah, definitely. Not that I'd know anything about those. <coughs> hmm. No, definitely not. I don't know why we're trying we're try to act like Coyle. That implies we have done something. Like, no, we haven't done anything. <laughs> And um, this is a this is a funny bit that leads to um, a great little arc in the season for A Train as he's making his pitch with Ashley um, about a, a big rebranding. It, it's, it's almost something you'd expect from WWE. This isn't it? That's that's be honest. You can sort of see Vince before he had to retire. Air quotes. Um, Oh, it's got, got it's such good shit, pal. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna go back to your African roots, pal. And I've got yeah, I've got yeah, new uh, some new attire. And the only thing they have you haven't done is giving him a stupid name like you're just a now or you're just trade now, pal. We're gonna give you a train sound effect like Bronze Joe and Randall had that one time or. I can imagine this being a similar pitch to how, how Apollo Crews was pitched doing the whole Nigerian prince. Apparently that was his. Uh, apparently that was his idea. Oh shit! I'm yeah. just going to have to put my uh, iPad on charge. Just give me one second. It's uh, I've got a warning. I've only got ten percent left. Oh dear. <laughs> All right. I thought it was on charge, but I haven't switched the fucking thing on, had I? But we're we're there now. We're there now. So, like, so yeah, I can imagine Apollo pitching it the same way A Train is pitching it. Like he, <laughs> yeah, he pitched this whole series eight and A Train to Africa with the. Uh, also, they said that one of their channels fought Seoul, so they've got channels specifically aimed at African Americans. And then he goes, "This interactive video game experience to help be educational for young, cute kids." I can't remember what it's called. Like something that has chains or something in the, in the title, and it actually just has a whole look on it, like. Is that a video game about the slave trade? <laughs> I have to bring up wrestling because I have a job with A-Train not to think about Albert all the time <laughs> anyway. I know. 
two very different A trains. If they wanted to suddenly portray the, that A train as being from Africa, it'd be worse than the time they made one man gang become a keen there. Hey, they, they, they tried to portray him as Japanese, don't forget. So anything's yeah. possible. <laughs> Which I wasn't sure if, they, if that stuff on his face may be tattoos or, you know, they were wanting to depict it as like painting or whatever. Because I remember he had a match with Randy Orton and they sweated so much, the stuff on his face started dripping onto the mat and there was just these black spots everywhere. <laughs> Was it Lord Tensai or something they tried to rebrand him as for a bit? Can I just briefly mention, also, he had many characters, and also he was once called Prince Albert, which is the name for a penis penis piercing. And uh, I was on an ASR podcast where we were talking about rebrands of people, and we were talking about Tensai, going from Albert to Tensai. And one of them, one of the guys, well, how do you expect for a guy who at one point had a guy named after a you know, the, your cock being pierced. And one of the other guys misunderstood what you meant by that, saying, like, what is that called, a Lord Tensai? <laughs> <laughs> we were like, no, you fucking idiot. It's <laughs> a Prince Albert. <laughs> I just told us that particular member of the panel, like, you've lived a very sheltered upbringing that you don't know where Prince Albert is, don't you? <laughs> you've not had that, you live that horrible one, we realise what that horrible pun is meant to be. But... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he's kind of he's basically pitching a game based on the, the slave trade, and he's got his sort of we don't see it just yet, but he's got his new costume design, and we we also meet other Ashley, who <laughs> basically is um, uh, Ashley's unpaid PA, who pretty much parrots and agrees with everything Ashley says. Mm-hmm. So she's yeah. got her own lackey now to bully and push around. He's like, oh, yeah, well, well th- it's very well pitched, and uh, they leave, and the guys with like, yeah, like, yeah, that means they hated it. Like, and he gives Adrian Shelley, you don't care about being black, you're just trying to stay relevant and everything. He goes, yeah, well, you don't have a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, yeah, he's like, she hates. He thinks she liked it, and he's, he's like, she hated it. <laughs> And then he just decides to go and wear the suit anyway during Homelander's birthday special. <laughs> um, we get here. We go into. Um, I think it's either is it like a is it a school or some sort of uh, a home for um, yeah for soup kids, isn't it? Waiting, waiting to to be adopted. And he's he's going there because that's where um, Victoria. Slash, uh, Nadia was, and he's trying to find some information, whatever information he can about her. So um, he he's sort of pretending he's at first he sort of pretending he's on like a bit of investigation, but then uh, a soup kid sort of points to a TV that's showing him with Starlight as a boyfriend, and he's like, "Okay, okay, you you, you find me out." Um, and Starlight sent me here. We're we're looking to uh, we're looking to adopt because I'm firing blanks basically. <laughs> so, um, but uh, you know, we don't we don't want any publicity. We're not doing it for the publicity. So. Um, she actually goes along with this. This is actually better because a, a superpower with mum, there's, there's less chance of anything going wrong. Yeah. I think it's like, what's our, we should never go reduce the chances of parental fatality. Yeah. See that also, what's interesting is the kid that points him out that kind of just teleports next to him. 
he's referred to Terry Stilwell, which I think's maybe Elizabeth Shoe's kid from like the early seasons. I like so I don't, I don't know if it was ever hinted that that he had powers, but apparently he does. So oh, and he's right. apparently just been sent off to shipped off to this weird home for for super powered kids after her after she was killed in the first season, but then obviously you get a big reveal at this point, not only you know, with the she grew up here, but then you hear about her getting adopted. And then whose voice do you hear but Stan Edgar's? And he's like, oh, he's like, it's, across like the second and third episode, there are points where he just pops up and like, is there anything where you just don't show up? You're like, he's fucking everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, in a corresponding scene, I think we see him actually um, meeting Nadia again and mm-hmm. um, sort of Victorian sort of. Aren't I always here for you? Explain that he um, he sent a team to clean up the the, the mess and mm-hmm. remains of them. That Tony guy that she blew up everywhere, and um, he obviously does that so she'll use whatever sway she's got to to help him and do things for him. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all, it's not for the goodness of his heart he's doing this. Yeah, because also she was on the phone saying, there's somebody I need to clean up, and obviously now we know that it was him that she was calling. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's got his hand everywhere, hasn't he, basically? Yeah. He's, uh, he's, you know, he's got all this influence, that's what makes him... You know, so dangerous despite not being a soup himself. Mm. And we see Butcher again, and he's going through some security chat thing, and the thing goes on. He's, oh, right, yeah, and he t- takes out his gun, and the bloke just goes, oh, yeah, nice piece. And we say, uh, it's because he says that because he's at a gun convention, and he's mm. tracking down um, gunpowder, and he's doing some sort of demo, I think, with some kids and and what that. And he finishes the story. But yeah, yeah, there's you know, there's, there's branded hollow points and <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, there's, there's like kids being shown these little pings with like assault rifles, kids yeah. basically taking big shots at America, their gun issues, and he's giving this big speech about this Robert Singer, how he's going to take away all freedom, he's going to cause your kids to teach them to hate America, and then he says to him like. Make sure you grab your hollow points. Use a promo code gunpowder. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that's probably pretty close to what it's like in America, to be fair. Thankfully, I never had to go to any of these gun conventions, but, like, you know, it's just unbelievable, some of these things. But I love that Butcher does a wee thing at the urinary goes like, oh, I'm your biggest fan. I bought all your guns. I'd shake your hand, but... uh, yeah, because they're in the toilet, aren't they? And then he starts sort of saying that um, you were, um, what was it, 14 and uh, soldier boys. Like, oh, he uses a word, and I can't think what it is. It's not psychic. And, uh, um, uh, I don't know what word he used, but it basically implies that soldier boy did things to him. Yeah, knocked on his cock and uh, <laughs> sexually assaulted him and stuff and gunpowder's pretty adamant that that didn't happen. That's all bullshit and uh, he's he's not having it at all. And um as um 
but to, gets in his car in the car park, he gets ambushed by gunpowder who um, starts uh, shooting at him and uh, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, speaking of denying it, but just got like a, a file that says, like, this is a complaint you filed against, quote, uh, soldier boy's habitual abuse and everything. So they're not even properly introduced him yet, and they're already showcasing, like, yeah, he was a horrible prick. This, uh, this soldier boy, uh, and then yeah, he almost gets, which I think he catches him in the leg, and then there's a great angle where the bullet constantly bounces and then just grazes him across like the cheek. So it shows basically this guy's whole thing is I'm good with guns, pretty much. I think he, he sort of says at one point, it's just like um, it was, it was nothing like that. It was just a bit of rough housing and hazing that got out of hand. That that's all. And um, but just to set off a little car alarms to distract him to make his to make his escape. Mm-hmm. And then all of it, Starlight kind of tries to help out uh, Huey when Newman seems to be asking him some questions. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Saban like and she kind of just backs off and uh, Starlight is happy that Huey's got this information about him, but she was annoyed that he. Went on his own. He just starts this whole run like I can't even open a jar because he, he cut his hand. I can't do anything right and now. After all this time, I realised I was looking for a fucking silver. Bless you, my life's been a waste. And then she's come from, and then he just drops this one like, yeah. And I may have signed this up to adopt a kid. And <laughs> yeah. just, just this slow turn of the head as he's like, what? <laughs> yeah, stop it all off of <laughs> Sanders up for adoption. The sort of fun bit is um, when we get uh, Homelander doing his and what he calls his annual save, trying to stop a jumper from uh, jumping off a bridge, basically. And um, as he's doing this. Um, we, the news comes out on these big screens that uh, Stormfront has um, committed suicide, and uh, and Homer's what? No, no, but it's my birthday, not on my birthday. And um, he completely changes his cadence with the jumper and starts. And perhaps, actually, maybe, maybe you should jump. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say this is my birthday, but I don't know. This is my birthday. I was, I was, I wasn't even born. I was made made in a test tube. This is just some random date that Walt picked out. And if I go on, jump, and I, I don't actually want to anymore. And I think he threatens to use his laser eyes on her. So the next thing you see is someone falling to the floor and splatting in quite spectacular fashion and that's just like there's a cameraman <laughs> yeah I do like you try to go with this whole thing about oh, life is precious to God and everything like, you don't want to go to hell for committing suicide too she goes oh, I'm actually Jewish yeah so, like, whatever and then when they see the Stormfront thing he just goes he shows his ego by going like you know you probably won't understand this because you're you know Jew and all that but he says uh, you know you know, Jesus wasn't actually born on Christmas. It's a whole pagan festival thing. And then he reads that to his birthday. He goes, no, I know, I understand exactly how Jesus must have felt, it says. <laughs> and then he says, how is it fair that I need to save you? And then uh, someone, a god like Stormfront, you know, gets killed. And he, then he tells her to jump. Like, I'm not asking you. I'm freaking telling you, like, jump. <laughs> and 
is quite, you know, scary how things turn and actually on the phone it basically says that quote, she million dollar babied herself, she yeah. choked on her own tongue, that's how she died. Mad. We see uh um Willis Milk um looking at some of his files and that on Soldier Boy and um well, he's busy doing that. He's forgot he's had dinner on the go, and smoke alarm starts going off, and um, he can't he can't switch it off. I think that's how. Reminds me of a, I think our friends' episode where Phoebe can't stop her fire alarm going off. Yeah. But um, Marvin has the answer. He just smashes it repeatedly, and aggressively on the floor, right in front of his alarmed-looking daughter. Mm-hmm. So, and then that's how, he, that's how he knows that things are getting worse because he, yeah. he never wanted to kind of lose his shit in front of his in front of his daughter. Definitely. So he knows he's uh, he's um, losing it again and sort of falling off the wagon, so to speak. So um, he takes he takes Janine home and he talks to Monique and tells her that you know, he's struggling and he says, "Hey, soldier boy, it's like a it's like a trigger for me. You, you know what it's what he what he means to me, and uh, you know I can't I can't do this. I've got to I've I've got to do something." And Monique surprisingly tells him, "You need to go back to butcher." Like, you know, I know it didn't work out with us, but. You know, she thought doesn't you need closure on this and you've got to you've got you've got to do what you've got to do to get this out of your system. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Now she's not his wife anymore, she's a bit more understanding all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean you can kinda of see in her eyes she's very reluctant to admit it, but mm. she knows if this is what he needs then, you know, for good for for his sake and his daughter's sake, then it's what he's got to do. Yeah, exactly. He's uh, he's got to do what he's got to do to get this out of his system and uh, try and uh, try and move past it. We get uh, get butchered back at home, sort of patching up his his wounds and and gunshots, and um, he decides to watch Ryan's. Video, which is like um, a Lego animation with um, a call that um, Becca, his, his mother, made to him about having to get her hair done and and whatnot. And it's might be one of the, perhaps one of the last things she might have sent to him. So it's quite a moving little a little thing, and you can sort of see uh, Becca was the love of Butcher's life, and it really sort of affects emotion. Uh, emotionally and um, he decides to call Huey and I think he's about to tell him it's it's over and it's done but uh, it's actually Huey who convinces Butcher that no no you're right all along you your way is the only way Vic, Victoria's a, a soup she's the head popper I've been working for a flipping soup all along it's all rigged it's all rigged we can't we can't win. We've got to do it. Yeah, we've got to do it like the old way. Anything, anything it takes. So obviously, Huey's that peed off that he's been working for a soup all this time. It's it's pushed him even more over the edge. Mm-hmm. Zilla, but just reacting like he's well, he's all emotionally like, no, I can't. 
did I say, oh, you know, I'll fuck it up, I'll just do things by the book, you know, for Ryan Singers. And then Fury mentions that Newman's the, the head pop. He's like, you fucking what? And <laughs> yeah. uh, that's why it's all the motivation he needs to, uh, to you know, take the risk with this, you know, type V stuff. Yeah, he goes back out to to seek out gunpowder, and gunpowder just shoots him several times in the in the chest. And um, but yeah, he gets the surprise of his life as um, Butcher sort of picks himself back up and I think sort of expels the bullets from his body. And um, yeah, gives gives uh, gunpowder a proper pasting. Uh, as I've written here, uh, <laughs> eventually uh, Gunpowder has enough and relents and tells Butcher that he doesn't really know what happened to Soldier Boy at that time. He wasn't he wasn't really there, but maybe if you ask the right people, they'll be able to tell you. Talk, perhaps you can talk to Vought or even the CIA. Um, they might know. And he goes... Um, but the CIA, yeah, um, talked to talked to Grace Malloroy, and <laughs> that's uh, a person Butcher knows all too well. She's actually yeah. acting as Ryan's guardian, so uh, that's like a an interesting little a little thing there. Yeah, what small world it happens to be. Mm. And then, like he, he says, he's gonna like beat the shit out of him anyway. He's like, I took you told me what I know, but it doesn't change what you are. And then it's happy enough just to beat me to death. But unbeknownst to bitch, there's an extra little bonus that he got with that Dent V, and it's uh, laser eyes, which he lasers the shit out of that car park and just cuts. Fucking, <laughs> yeah. Not only the top of his head of Gunpowder's head off, it cuts that car in half, and you can tell also it's a surprise to him, and obviously. Uh, it turns out shooting lasers at your eyes may be a bit more painful than you think. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it looks like it can be quite hard to control as well because, uh, yeah, it just goes sort of mad on him at, at that uh, at that point. But, yeah, quite uh, quite devastating. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, back at... Um, uh, Homelander's birthday party. We see a, as you mentioned before, we see a a train's new costume, which is uh, looks like it's based on the South African flag. Getting back to his roots and air quotes, as he as he says, <laughs> and everyone's a bit like, "What? What are you wearing?" <laughs> and as uh, Homelander's trying to make a speech uh, for his birthday, there's some heckler. Shouts, shouts out, um, your Nazi girlfriend died, and uh, this triggers Homelander, and he goes on quite the triad about being better than everyone, and he's sick of being controlled, and he's done apologising for everything, and that um, we need him. He's the superhero. We need him to save us. So he's proper. <laughs> Proper going off the deep end as the episode ends. Yeah, you've given the whole, you know, like, I'm, I meant to say, oh, you're the real heroes, but you're not. You need me. I'm, a, I'm through apologizing and everything. And uh, they kind of turn them, as you see some people who kind of actually paying attention to what he's saying, you know, they almost turn him into like a superhero, you know, make America great again style figure. 
mm. uh, as, a, as the series goes on where certain people on the right kind of like the fact that he quote-unquote you know, speaks his mind. Yeah, he's talking about, you know, his vote controls me so they can sure as hell control you. And I love that, you know, you can hear into the producer and the track tell me, like, Roger, don't you dare cut away. Yeah, yeah, that's all I'll say. Cut, cut. And he's like, don't you dare cut. And then again, I just cut the, the black, so it ends on a kind of an ominous note. You would have thought that the whole reveal that, oh, picture got powers would be the end of it. Like, no, but it's like, Old man is now even more unstable because now he's not got a filter. <laughs> yeah, just, just when you think Homelander can't get any worse, he does get worse. So yeah, two really action-packed episodes. A lot, a lot going in, a lot going on in both of them, and uh, plenty. <laughs> Plenty of stuff happening, and people exploding yeah. out of people's penises and heads popping, and people getting blown up with fireballs. It's um, yeah, great Looking stuff. <laughs> it really is. I don't think there's a program out there that's anything like like the boys, and amazingly, it just gets better or slash worse. From here, <laughs> depending on your perception, yeah. you know, you don't have a lot to talk about. That's the thing with these episodes being like nearly an hour long, you know, each time. And you know, we, we're gonna uh, like do really do this for a couple weeks, so we will be doing more of this, you know, bringing the episodes together, you know, coming a couple at a time, which does mean even though there's only eight episodes, it's gonna be some long reviews because they pack a lot into these like eight episodes, they really do because they're like. Some some under people aren't always quite an hour, but uh, the boys normally does run for about an hour, even if not a few minutes over um, now and again. And you know, and you never feel like um, that length is unwarranted. There's no sort of padding in there. They're, they're probably struggling to cram everything. I mean, they want to cram in every episode. To be honest, there's that much going on. Yeah, probably. Hey. So do you want to do rate? Do you want to do ratings for these episodes? Yeah, uh, I think a solid eight and a half out of ten. I think for these two episodes mm. are both like, strong episodes, but uh, I wouldn't say they're my favourite episodes. You know, nothing wrong with them, but they, they do a good job of setting up for the season ahead. And obviously, you're still waiting to to get some more, you know, Soldier Boy. Yeah, uh, actually, I'm in full agreement with you there. That was the score I was going to plump for about eight, eight and a half. So, uh, and uh, your reasoning, reasoning's uh, a spot on. So, yeah, 100% with you on that one. Um, really good, really strong episodes, but yeah, perhaps not quite my favourite. And yeah, we need Soldier Boy, damn it. <laughs> but. Uh, Anything else you want to add before we get to our plugs? Uh, not really. I'm, I think we said all that needs to be said. Cool, cool. So I'll let you go first, Scott. What what have you got um, in the pipeline? Uh, since our last episode, not much new to add, really. You can find me on Twitter at ScottMcLean8986 or find this podcast at Rogue underscore Opinions or Scott and Paul's Rally Podcast at SP Rambling. Scott and Paul's Rally Podcast is on the Rogue Opinions feed as well as its own wherever you choose to get your podcast, me and Paul doing a lot of stuff over there, reviewing stuff like Bugs Life and the 1997 Royal Rumble, 
reviewing Frasier stuff and got some interesting retrospectives planned, which is a lot of thing we've been dabbling into. Uh, and you can also find me and Paul over on the Rogue Retros Matching Review, which is here on the Rogue Opinions feed. And uh, outside of stuff with Paul, I've kind of been trying to limit a lot of my podcasting output. Not always work, doesn't always work out, but other than there, the main part at the moment is you can find me is here with Carl talking all things, pod name easy. And occasionally he and I join Nathan for some A-team shenanigans. Yeah, exactly. Um, you can find me at uh, Carlos underscore Fire80 on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at Rogue underscore Opinions on Twitter and Instagram as well. You can check out our other stuff on our, in our back catalogue of Paddy Name Easy. We did um, Obi-Wan series not mm-hmm. too long ago. So if you haven't checked that out and you're just tuning in, um, because you enjoy the boys, make sure you do check that out if you're a Star Wars fan and um, other, other programs we've covered in the past as well. Quite a bit of uh, Disney Plus, Disney Plus stuff we've done. We did Loki as well, uh, another bit. So make sure to, to tune that in. And yeah, uh, A Team stuff with Nathan. Uh, we did create your own NXT star. So um, watch that before it gets outdated because <laughs> with Triple H back in charge things might go back to some sort of normal any luck unless mm-hmm. Vince is like Palpatine and putting <laughs> all the strings behind the scenes <laughs> I might be retired but I'm still I'm still the majority shareholder I, you still got to do what I say because I have unlimited power secretly Nick Khan is a creation of his, like Supreme Leader Snow was a creation <laughs> <Yeah>. of Alphagene. <laughs> yeah, so, so much content that we have get brought to you and that we're going to continue to bring to you because it's not easy to talk to you about shows with exploding penises. No, no, I, I, I bet even people who work for Brazzers were blushing at, <laughs> at that one. Oh, good lord. <laughs> well, before we get cancelled, bye everybody. Yeah, stay, stay, try not to get cancelled, ain't easy, just like Padding. <laughs> In the heart of the jungle, just trying to stay alive. It takes more than just bananas for a species to survive. Now they play little symbols on the corner for all to see. It's time to take a stand for what evolved to man who will save the chimpanzee. Hunted to mount like trophies or a gorilla circus act. More than some comic sidekick, there's just no 